You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Welcome back to Real Talk with me, Mason Bray. Thank you so much for being here this week. I am so happy to have you back or joining me for the first time. Today is a very special episode. I am interviewing someone from a very new musical that I am seeing this week as I record this. Um, I am gearing up and packing to leave for New York for a trip. I am seeing Parade, Shucked, Six, Moulin Rouge, and Sweeney Todd. I am so excited to see several people that I've interviewed in the past, some coming up, and this person who is joining me today, Catherine Quinn, is working on Shucked, and I am so excited to have her. If you want to join me along for all of my future interviews, my socials are at underscore realtalk underscore pod on Instagram and Twitter and at realtalkpodcast on TikTok. Now, into the episode. So we have Catherine Quinn, who is currently the writing associate on Shucked, which is now in previews. I promise you have seen her TikToks and YouTube videos all over theater, TikTok, Twitter, all that kind of stuff. Uh, she's been taking us behind the scenes of all of her different jobs on Broadway, and I am so excited to dive into some of those here today. So hi, Catherine. Hi, Mason. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Of course. Can you just like start by giving a rundown on how you got to where you are? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, so I started doing theater. I mean, I grew up doing theater, didn't pursue it initially in college, had a moment midway through college which where I was like, what am I doing? I've got to do theater, you know, sort of like a gotta dance moment. Um, started performing regionally in Dallas and uh, got my BFA at SMU in Dallas and then did some shows around the country, got a job at Tokyo Disneyland, then did Disney Cruise Lines, and then moved to New York City. And I performed for another eight-ish years. And then uh, pretty shortly before the pandemic, pivoted back to directing and choreography, which is sort of where I started in the business in general. Um, it's also what my degree is in, my degree is in directing. Um, and yeah, I got to do Hercules at the Public and did a fellowship for Tootsie on Broadway and now I'm working on Shucked. So that's sort of the like very small nutshell version. Yeah. So in directing and choreography, what draws you to want to do that uh, with a show? Oh my gosh. I love the puzzle of the thing. I mean, even <laughs> when I was performing, um, I was always a swing or a dance captain. And so I always got to have like the big picture view sort of. Um, and performing, I love performing. It's wonderful. But I sort of did it because I didn't see a direct path from, you know, graduating at 22 and people taking me seriously enough to be a director. Um, and so it was, you know, just honestly simpler, even though it's incredibly hard to audition and get jobs. It was more uh, straightforward to do with that. Um, as far as directing and choreography, it's sort of the thing I've always wanted to do. Um, Assembling the story, hearing an audience react, uh, taking people along for the ride, for the journey of a story is just my favorite thing in the universe. Um, plus, honestly, um, there are so many actors, singers, and dancers who are so much better at acting, singing, and dancing than I am. Um, and I love assembling those people in space, collaborating with designers and music directors and musicians and stage management and everyone else and sort of like assembling the thing. That's the thing that makes me happiest. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Um, and I don't want to take away from your YouTube channel where you talk about all this, but with all of your different jobs and getting to where you are, can you talk about like a roadmap for 
doing air quotes, but you can't see it. But um, <laughs> success, like the roadmap to success. Oh, that's so tricky. Because what does success even mean, right? Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. For me, it's like being content with where you are okay in a way yeah so like do you have any advice for how to like find a place where you can be happy for yourself <laughs> that's a never-ending pursuit yeah i mean i think what i talk a lot about on my youtube channel that you mentioned is like i think happiness and even contentment are sort of luxuries for artists um, and maybe just sort of humanity in general right now. And in order to have that luxury and have the choice to choose what projects you want to do, at least right now in 2023 in America, you have to have financial security. Um, so for me, it was honestly making enough money with the other jobs that I have um, so that I could afford to be content with theater and the rest of my life. Yeah. Which is sort of a capitalistic view, but we do live in a capitalist society, so it's sort of the way it goes. Yeah. Like it or not, it comes back to that. Yeah. So diving into Shucked, um, I know that you can't give away much, but for people that are listening that don't know, what is Shucked? The short answer is Shucked is about corn and community. <laughs> Truly. Like, it is actually a musical about corn. You're going to laugh. The music is fantastic and the cast, I feel like, um, I don't know if this is like Gen Z or, are you Gen Z or Alpha? I think I'm Gen Z. Are you I don't like, know, I Google it like every other week. <laughs> are you like a borderline? Because what is, what's the youngest Gen, or what's the oldest Gen Alpha? Uh, what is Gen Alpha? Gen Alpha is after 2010, so I'm Gen Z. I was 2006. Okay, nice, 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 nice. Yeah, so so anyway, youths uh, use the word stacked a lot. And so a lot of the time people are like, your cast is stacked. Um, it so is. yeah, our cast is stacked, um, which feels weird coming out of a millennial's mouth. But anyway, um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to distill. It's like an, I, the thing that I keep thinking is like, if you were to describe the plot of like, first of all, most musicals aren't original. Even if they're not a jukebox show, most musicals, Hairspray is based on a film. Oklahoma was based on Green Grow the Lilacs. Like every, almost everything is based on something. It's just so rare that a musical is completely original. But like if you were to describe the plot of Sweeney Todd and be like, this is the next hit musical on Broadway, you'd be like, you're insane. You're crazy. Um, so it's a musical about corn is really the answer. But I mean, it's about a con man and it's a bit of a coming of age story and um, about community finding itself and sort of changing their perception of the outside world. So I'm not going to admit to searching for bootlegs, <laughs> but I don't know what Shucked is doing, but they are keeping it under wraps and there <laughs> is no bootlegs out there. Oh, my gosh. Except um, on, on my iPhone, but it's just rehearsal footage and it's legal. So I guess it's not a bootleg. Um, The video that you posted of Alex Newell singing, oh, <laughs> every single time that it pops up, like reposted, I have to listen. Alex to is unreal. Thing. Unreal. What is that song called? Independently Owned. <sighs> Independently Owned. Wonderful name. Oh, it's, I mean, literally every night. And I... 
you know, the, I see. I have now been with the show with the project for a year, so I have heard all these songs so many times, but I never tire of Alex singing that. Literally ever. Not once. Yeah. It sounded wonderful. Ugh. It's wild, and the audience's reaction is pretty spectacular. And what's that one saying? Uh, they could sing the phone book? Is that Oh, 100%. Yeah. And I would love that. Yeah, me too. So you had been the sh with the show since before it transferred to Broadway. Can you talk about like your different jobs getting to Broadway on Chucked? Yeah. Yeah, it's sort of just been an evolution. Um, I met Robert Horn, the book writer, on Tootsie. I was working with the choreographer on Tootsie, but Robert is the kind of person who befriends everyone in the rehearsal room, which is a really lovely quality. Like the PAs, every department, Robert knows everyone. Um, he's very gregarious and very outgoing. So I got to know him in Tootsie, and we had this fantastic conversation um, where he sort of was being incredibly open and just asking my opinion on particularly the last scene. And we had this amazing conversation. I sort of gave him notes slash we had, you know, um, a discussion about it. And then the thing that was wild is like, as a result of that conversation, the scene changed. And I was like, whoa. You know, I've directed where I can interpret someone else's words differently, but I had never been in a position where the words changed. And it was like, it was so profound and so crazy um, and amazing. And so that just was like an experience that felt like some switch went off for me. It was it was amazing. Um, and then I, you know, stayed in contact with Robert. Um, he ended up working on Hercules after I worked on it. And I sent him a message just being like, yay, congrats. I'm so glad that you're working on Hercules. It's so exciting. Um, and I just said, you know, if you ever need a writer's assistant, let me know. Um, and he messaged me back and was like, absolutely, or just gave it a heart or something. A week later, he was like, what's your phone number? We hopped on the phone. He uh, asked if I was game to dive into the deep end. He was like, you know, I can be you know, I'm very intense and I do a lot of rewrites very, very quickly. And we've got a reading coming up, coming up in a week. If it's not the right time, if it's not the right project, truly no sweat, just let me know. Um, and I boarded my dog, even though I live here and I canceled my entire week. And I was like, okay, I'm going to learn this new software called Final Draft. Um, I'm going to just give everything to this, probably fall on my face, but do my absolute best. And I was super honest with Robert outside of, um, I, fibbed that I knew Final Draft because I was like, I'm going to learn this software in a week. Um, and I just told him, yeah, I totally know it. I've got it on my computer. It's great. Nope. Had never downloaded it, seen it before, anything. And the next week, I like messaged every writer's assistant contact that I could possibly find and was like, oh my gosh, can you talk to me about Final Draft? And I watched all these YouTube. Anyways, it worked out fine. Um, so that reading was of Shucked at the Daryl Roth a about a year ago now. And it was an amazing process. And I think my title there was... Maybe it was writer's assistant, assistant to the book writer. I don't know. And then we had our out of town at Pioneer in the fall. And I think there I was maybe like book writing assistant. And then for Broadway, I am the writing associate. So it sort of has just like evolved uh, with each iteration of the process. And have you since told Robert that you um, sort of lied about knowing <laughs> Final Draft? Yeah, I did at the end of the that week of the reading. He was like, are you kidding me? That's amazing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was great. Yeah. And you have put so much of yourself into the process. And, like, taking us along has been 
so important to the success of like all of the social media of the show mm. and like finding the personality. So thank you for all that you do on the writing end, but also the connection into the audience. I That's really nice to hear. I just, uh, during the pandemic, I, you know, started TikToking and like talking with theater talk and like the theater community at large about like how we wanted things to change moving forward. And so much of it for me has been about like accessibility and gatekeeping and, you know, keeping this like Broadway thing a secret. And so when this happened, I mean, our lead producer is quite young. He's 37, I think. Um, and so, you know, he's a millennial and has like a completely different perspective than your typical lead producer who is often like, you know, 60 to 80 years old, usually a white man. And so I sort of just like very slowly started, like I was very uh, protective of it when I was at the Roth. Then at Pioneer, I started posting a teensy bit more. And then for Broadway, you know, I'd built more of a relationship with Mike and was just like, hey, what do you think about this? And then ultimately he ended up setting me up with our digital marketing team. And so I'm working with them. That's like a second job that I'm doing on Shucked in addition to writing associate. And so it's been this amazing like double job um, on the show. Yeah. And so you had mentioned on TikTok that the writing part of it will uh, be over once it opens. Yes. But do you get to still work on the digital marketing of that? That's a great question. Um, as of right now, I'm working on it just until the show opens. Who knows? I guess things could always change. And, um, you know, if there are future iterations of the show, if it goes somewhere else or if it tours or whatever, I really hope that I get to work on it again. I am obsessed with the people working on this show. Um, and, you know, I just, I really like it. It's it's a really good group of people and I, and I like the show. So um, as of right now, big question mark, but who knows? Yeah. Um, and talking about the accessibility ties perfectly into my topic this season <laughs> of the future of Broadway. And what do you think that should look like in terms of like audience or the personality of Broadway? Yeah. Oh gosh. That is a huge, as I, as I know that, you know, that is a huge topic and question. I mean, kind of what we were talking about earlier with like theater talk and TikTok and Chucked, I think it's been really, really powerful <clears throat> to see what's happened um, with TikTok at, the, at Chucked particularly. Um, people coming in costumes because of, you know, TikTok and... Ryan. Yes, Brian. Brian, the business analyst. He's amazing. Um, and like every night there's someone who comes up and is like, hey, I'm at the show because of your content on TikTok, which is bananas. I'm not in the show. I don't, you know, my name is not Alex Newell. And like the fact that the writing associate is bringing people in because of offering a little behind the scenes peek is like incredible. And what I think should happen, I think it's tricky because producers have a fear that if you open the flood floodgates and allow any party on the show to say whatever they want like i feel i wonder if <laughs> i'm trying to be diplomatic and also exercise my curiosity because i think like at the dawn of blogging and whatever which was i don't know what 20 years ago <laughs> i feel like actors got in trouble or actors got the show tr in trouble or you know there were things even like 15 years ago with people tweeting things that were like inappropriate or like th that didn't you know but then I think about sorry I'm rambling a little because this is like so broad um but you know the Sarah Porkalob 
article and interview for 1776 and how so many people were like, wow, it's really inappropriate for you to say all of those things when you're representing this show and you're representing this, you know, like 100, 150 plus people working on it. And so it's like, and regardless of where you fall on that, on whether or not that was appropriate or not, it's like, what is, how do we allow, you know what I'm saying? It's just tricky. It's like, how do we allow community in? And like, I keep talking about how musical theater is more popular now in mainstream culture than it has been ever in our lifetimes. Yeah. Um, It's not been this popular in pop culture since the 40s, like almost 100 years. And so it would be foolish of us not to capitalize on TikTok and an algorithm that's highly specific targeting you in Paducah, Kentucky, you know, to come see this show that's on Broadway the next time you're in New York City. Like, but also, how do you, like, producers really like to control the narrative and each Broadway show is a company and, as such, the technical job of a producer is to protect the financial interest of their investors, which sucks because this is art and that investment is created by hundreds of artists and theater workers. I don't know. I'm rambling. But like my answer is I don't know. I want it to be more accessible. I want to remove the gatekeepery, but I don't know how that's going to like, can we have like a I don't know if equity and the Broadway League and everyone has like a social media consortium that like navigates. Do you know what I'm saying? It just feels yeah. very murky because it's also new ish, especially with TikTok. Yeah. And I don't know if you're trying to guess where it was, but Paducah, Paducah Kentucky is like two hours away. So very <laughs> oh close. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Um, But for me as an audience member and like I am the typical theater kid just watching stuff online. Mm. Um, Broadway.com vlogs mm. right before the pandemic had changed my entire perception of the industry. And I was like, oh, this is this is something that can happen. Mm. So not having that when the pandemic shut down was so hard. So seeing all the Broadway shows come back and uh, started with Diana, the mm. like communication to the audience was groundbreaking for me and I hope to see more of that in the future mm. but also we are craving content yeah of like videos of the show yeah but there's a lot of restrictions around that that Brandon Powers on TikTok talks a lot about where uh social media people aren't allowed in the room as much because of equity rules yeah and I think that's a big thing that we're gonna have to figure out going forward no I think so too I think I've talked to Brandon about this, too. I wish that there were literally a role within the company that was like social media correspondent, um, someone who like my my situation is just really fortunate where I happened to be a TikToker and also was working on the show. And then I, you know, spoke to appropriate parties and this thing happened. But of course, I'm like, OK, well, on future projects, how do I do this? Um, and like if I'm working on the show, that takes care of itself. But like it has felt so invaluable. Like, I don't, like, not just tooting my own horn, but, like, I want more of this. Like, I want to consume more of this as a, like, part of the theater community. Like, I want to see other people doing this, too. Um, and I wish that, like, there would be a 
you know, a lot a budget item, you know, in the breakdown of the budget of press and marketing where somebody literally got to be in the room and sort of like be a documentarian effectively for the show because I think it's just it brand it builds brand and community like literally nothing else, you know? Yeah. Can you so I don't know whether or not you want to put this on the actual podcast, but I was not privy to the Broadway.com vlogs of it all. What what was it? Like what shows were doing it that were so impactful? And then have they not returned to doing that post pandemic? Um, so they stopped right at March 13th. Okay. So they made the last one. They like did their last weekly release. So each actor would get like eight episodes and it would be eight weeks of them holding a camcorder, going around backstage, all that kind of stuff. Wow. And the ones that I loved were from Come From Away mm. with Jen Colella, ah. Lindsay Mendez in Wicked, mm. uh, Desi Oakley when she was on the Waitress Tour. Okay. And those are the ones that I watch over and over again. Mm. But there was That's like amazing. so many. There was like uh, Bandstand did one, I think. Carousel. Wow. Another Waitress. Yeah, it's been... And I miss them so much. Uh, like, also, we've moved to, like, TikTok stuff. So I wish there was a way to get more of that, like, personalized. Form. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's interesting. I'm Of course, my, like, little business brain is like, okay, well, how? what was the contract for that like? Like, how much were they paid? And is Broadway.com paying for it, I assume? I just... That's so... How long were the episodes? Um, like... 10 minutes at the longest. Mm. Yeah. But Fly Girl, which is what the Lindsay Vendez one was called, <laughs> gave me so many like tips and tricks, like the Sour Patch Kids before you sing. Oh my God. That apparently Barry, Billy Porter taught Lindsay Mendez. Oh my God. Uh, and now I have a entire bag of Sour Patch Kids backstage um, <laughs> while I'm doing the Adams Family this weekend. Oh my gosh. That's what, who are you playing? Lucas. Yes, I was hoping you would say that. That's amazing. Um, but I also have two other jobs on the show. I am the social media manager. Hey. And lighting designer. Oh my gosh, that's wild. I've Do you been sleep? Busy. Um, that's a really good question. Aren't you also in school? I am. Yes. How do you do all of that? So, my schedule currently, um ending tomorrow is I wake up at like I should say like six to get to school by seven forty, but sometimes I wake up at seven twenty-five. Oh my gosh! And make it to school at seven thirty-eight for a seven forty start. Um, and then we have rehearsal from like three to the last few weeks. It's been question mark because it's like dress rehearsals and we don't know. Oh my gosh! Um, so those finish around like seven or seven thirty, and then I'm there fixing lighting notes until eleven. Oh my gosh. And then I come home and sleep for some time. <laughs> oh my is this is this a show at your school? Yes, it is. I guess that's sort of helpful in terms of like transit time at least. Yeah, I just wow. stay there. <laughs> wow. Are you are you social media manager for other shows at your school, whether or not you're in them or specifically on this show? Um, I have done it all of this school year. For our two shows, we do a fall play and a spring musical. Um, so I've done social media this entire year and some of last year's musical. That's so brilliant. Since I'm a thespian troop officer, I just took over that job. Oh my gosh. 
That's amazing. Also, just like having a thespian troop officer is like, that's that <laughs> title alone brings me so much joy. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we have taken so many steps to like make it a more involved group mm. instead of just like a director doing everything. We are trying to like make it where students can learn to do stuff too, to like figure out new jobs that they want to do instead of just like, I hear a lot of people say that they didn't know that jobs existed before high school. Yes. Um, so part of my goal as being part of the thespian troupe is to figure out those jobs and help other people figure out that there's more than just acting and performing. That's so cool. Mason, you're amazing. <laughs> That's so incredible. That's um, amazing. And that ties into my next topic as well. <laughs> do you find value in education behind theater? Or do you think it's more important to like learn on the job? I know that it's not like a clear cut answer of like one <laughs> or the other. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I do think there's a lot of value in education in theater like full stop and also so i guess it's not full stop okay great so um i do think that there's great value in education in theater asterisk 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 my so okay the people who have shaped my life more than anyone besides like my mom um were my high school performing arts teachers they were like they offered me opportunities that you're talking about like i was like, oh, I'm obsessed with film scores and I play the piano and I want to learn to conduct. And so I talked to the head of the fine arts department and he gifted me a baton and coached me for an hour or two hours once a week for like my senior year of high school. And I conducted my high school orchestra. And like we got I got to choreograph for the dance company at school and I dance captain the high school musical and I got to do all and they let me like you know, for the one act that we got to direct, I was like, my first year I said, can I do the last five years? And they were like, LOL, you 16 year old, what do you know about divorce and these like the topics of this? But anyway, I got to do it, which was fantastic. And then the second year I was like, great, I would like to do The Sound of Music. And they were like, I'm sorry, <laughs> that is a massive musical that you want to do as your one act like directing project. And I was like, yes, I would. Yes. Yes. Is that acceptable? Um, and for some reason, they let me do it. And it was amazing. They Those people shaped my life. To this day, they're some of my best friends. They're incredible. College was a different experience for me. I did not like it. <laughs> um, I had a horrendous experience in my BFA program for a number of reasons. I was, you know, probably not the, the right match for me. Um, and where I learned the most was doing theater locally in Dallas. Like I learned so much there. I will say my directing classes at SMU, Stan Voyevodsky Jr. Um, those were, those I still think about what I learned, but pretty much the rest of them, um, there was a lot of like unnecessary unpacking trauma for the sake of art. And yeah, it's just that it, it was not a good, culture or experience for me. Um, so like education in theater, I think is vital, especially at younger ages, especially before the age of 18, whether or not I think that people actually need to go to like a BFA program. Um, I don't think they do. I think um, certain programs absolutely give you a leg up. Obviously, if you get into Michigan musical theater, go blue and like 
great. Like that is totally going to give you a leg up. Um, CCM sometimes and Boco and all those other like top tier schools, like people do like to see those on resumes. And also more than the resume, that network is like invaluable. Like Michigan is a cult. Those people all know each other and they all love each other and they give each other a lot of jobs. And they're also really talented. So like cannot begrudge them. I don't think it's right for everyone. And also being in a ton of debt is not right for everyone. Um, and also using four years of your like, you know, coming of age time to be in this like sort of fake version of life is different. Like I was talking with my mom about this and just like her experience in college was magical because she had no internet. She had no access to the outside world. So when she went to college, she was meeting people unlike her for the very first time in her entire life and had more freedom than she'd ever had. But that's just not the case for kids now. Um, so yeah, I have a lot of mixed feelings. Yeah. Um, and Michigan scares me. <laughs> it scares me too, Mason. Like, there are so many Broadway people that come out of Michigan and I'm like, what is going on there? Yeah. Yep. It's definitely a thing. No <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here and lending all of your knowledge and Congratulations on Shucked, which is opening soon. I cannot wait to see it. Um, yeah, well, thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, thank you. And keep up doing all the amazing things that you're doing. Like, you're going to change the face of the theater industry. It's amazing. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.